This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, I'm Ash Bennington. Welcome to Building Blocks, a podcast about people's journey into the Bitcoin, blockchain, and digital asset space. Join me as we seek to get to the bottom of what's really happening. Andrew, welcome to Building Blocks. Thanks for having me, Ash. Dude, it's great to have you back. You know, you were just on Real Vision on the platform in January. A great headline, actually. The man with the billion-dollar Ether staking bet. It was a fascinating conversation. You've had an incredible life. It's great to have you back to talk a little bit about your journey. Can't wait. So tell me a little bit about your background before the digital asset space, before you got into crypto. Sure. So uh, I, I always joke and say my uh, best computer science was in college, and it's been technically downhill. But I, uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, I studied economics and, and computer science uh, in Baltimore, Maryland, at a place called Loyola. And initially uh, was more gravitating towards the finance side of the equation. And, and actually, when the capital markets imploded, I had time to kind of consider what my next steps would be. Andrew, are you talking and, about like uh, the 2000.com implosion? So, yep. So I graduated school in, in 04. Uh, and uh, I'm talking about 2008 capital markets implosion. So not a one, uh, a eight. Yeah. And basically, it was at a very interesting time in American history for politics. And, and, and one of the interesting points of politics that we don't remember is that there was bipartisan agreement wherein the Republicans and the Democrats agreed that all hospitals in the United States should go from pen and paper to electronic medical records. Yeah. And believe it or not, in 2008, 75% of doctor's offices in the United States, and we're talking, you know, Amazon's, you know, six years old now, you know, starting in 2001, we're, we're talking pretty far along past the dot-com boom and bust, 75% of doctor's offices were on pen and paper. Hmm. And, and, and basically, I mapped the, the, the business models of uh, software for uh, medical doctors. And long story short, most medical doctors would have to pay $500 a month for a SaaS type uh, software as a service. Right. Uh, and they would still have their cost of processing insurance claims, wherein I thought what, what made more sense was to give free software away to medical doctors that we would actually process their insurance claims. And, and this may sound a little bit boring, but, but it makes a lot of sense with respect to my journey into crypto. Right. Because what I was dealing with was a specific vertical of healthcare and their issues with payments and database systems in 2009 when Bitcoin happened. Right. And, and I remember back then hearing the early rumblings of this decentralized peer-to-peer -peer network, but 
My biggest issue was we couldn't apply logic to, to that network. Solely Alice could send Bob value peer to peer, right. which was indeed uh, you know, a, a, a huge step change, a huge improvement um, on kind of the legacy client server architectures where we would have to have some type of intermediary on a SQL database that would reconcile this manually. Uh, but but uh, w what I always thought was we needed, you know, if X occurs, right. then payment else failure, what, what grew up to be smart contracts. Right. So what you're talking about now is basically the era of, of Bitcoin and Bitcoin only when the ability to apply processing logic, if then statements uh, to transactions didn't exist. I could send you money, you could send me money, but we couldn't put logic around under what conditions that money would be sent and when it wouldn't be sent. Exactly. It, 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 you nailed it. And, and, and I thought that uh, the, basically the ecosystem would need to mature to a point where we could employ that exact type of logic. Uh, and, and until then, and there were other preconditions, things like privacy and confidentiality, which were really just, you know, tipping the iceberg in with the, the evolution of zero knowledge proof technology. Uh, but, but these are technologies uh, that allow you to prove that you know something without necessarily revealing the thing that you know. Exactly. Uh, the, the, the best example that, that, that I always say is if if somebody on uh, listening or watching this has a daughter and that daughter goes to a bar and she goes and sees the bouncer at the bar. The bouncer asks for her license and all the bouncer really needs to know is a proof that she is indeed over 21 years old. Right. But what we have now is she reveals not only her date of birth, which isn't necessary. You only need the proof that she's over 21, but she also re reveals her home address. Right. So, you know, you, you have people that, you know, unnecessarily give away too much information. And that's kind of a, a brick and mortar psyops, uh, you know, uh, issue that, that I take on kind of a macro scale. And, and, and you take this, th that, that type of understanding where we don't need to know what date of birth she is, what, where she lives, uh, or her height and weight. We just need to know that she is indeed who she is and she is indeed over 21. And, and I think you can apply that type of similar logic to kind of right. every transaction in the world where if you purchase something from Amazon, Amazon doesn't need to know where you live and FedEx didn't need, doesn't need to know what you bought. Uh, but, but, but basically you, you, you end right. up, you know, revealing those things now. And, and as this technology evolves, right. because we can have these kind of modular frameworks, those types of, uh, information data leaks will, will become much less apparent. Right. So here you are, uh, it's the 2008-2009 era. You're working on electronic medical records. You see this thing happening called Bitcoin that's really interesting to you, but you still see uh, potential challenges uh, or maybe just limitations in the framework at that point in the Bitcoin ecosystem. What is it, Andrew, that calls you down the rabbit hole that makes you think, boy, I need to get into this full time? Uh, Vitalik Buterin's white paper, where, where basically, without getting into the too deep of the weeds of the technicalities of it, uh, having a Turing complete virtual machine, which basically meant that uh, we could send value from counterparty A to counterparty B. We could record that value um, similar to Bitcoin, but we could also embed this logic 
where we could say, you know, if X condition happens, then payment else failure, the, the, the birth of smart contracts. Right. And to that point, once I read that, we started to see kind of an ecosystem bubbling up. And it was primarily a very technical crowd. Uh, there were, frankly, just meetups for nerds. Uh, I, I, I met Joe Lubin, one of, the, one of the co-founders of Ethereum, at the first ever New York City meetup. Uh, and, and, and if you go what, back what year was that, this, Andrew? that was 14 and, and, uh, the, the network hadn't launched yet. It was a borrowed room that was, uh, uh, used by Aaron Wright, who at the time was a professor of law at Cardozo. Uh, if you dig into him, he, he's another fascinating person that you should have on this. Uh, he, he basically created the Dow framework for Wyoming and is probably uh, top three people in the world at the intersection of kind of technology and law. Uh, and, and, and basically he uh, got a room for us to be able to have the first ever Ethereum meetup. And where was it? Like at the law school? Yeah, it was at the law. It was at a law school, like cafeteria room. Oh, it, wow. was, it, it was, and, and, and if you go through and, and you, and you map out who was actually in that room, uh, they are kind of some of the titans of the industry. One of the guys who's one of the deepest kind of identities and zero knowledge proof researchers, a guy by the name of Dr. Christian Lundquist, PhD in uh, algebraic geometry, a guy by the name of Sam Cassett, who's running uh, a large blockchain infrastructure company called Aligned, uh, Joe, Kieran Lubin, his son, who's brilliant, uh, an another Princeton computer science genius. And some of those people really kind of went out to be some of the forefathers and foremothers of this industry. Hmm. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. So what do you do next? So, so what we did next was we started mapping how uh, we thought the ecosystem could evolve most efficiently. And, 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 and you know, we take for granted all of the software that we use today where I would just to keep it simple, bifurcate it into a protocol layer and an application layer. But there literally wasn't even a protocol layer live in my story where, where I, I'm much more a believer in kind of the functionality of soft, uh, smart contract software with embedded digital assets rather than more of kind of the camp of like the sound moneyness of collateral and Bitcoin. I'm much more a believer and a proponent of, of kind of building uh, applications, if you will. Hey, Andrew, that's an important distinction. Let's talk a little bit about that for people who aren't in the space, because it, for those of us who sure. are inside the space, it's obviously an important one and something that we know about. But what does that mean and why is it so significant? Sure. Sure. I, I think there are different people are attracted to different aspects of blockchain technologies for different, I would say, ideologies and, and different reasons, frankly. And, and, and a lot of people are attracted into this space on the primary concept of this notion of digital gold. 
and and I think Bitcoin is the the king in that regard. Uh, and and I think that uh, time and time again, Bitcoin has done a good job as serving as this I, I would call it you know collateral, uh, wherein we can borrow against it uh, very well, and it's kind of non confiscatable, and it can serve as this medium of exchange, this network. Uh, uh, abacus, a digital abacus, if you will, where we can move, right. um, you know, the, the 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 points of the abacus from from counterparty A to counterparty B to counterparty C uh, seamlessly. Uh, there, uh, so so I would say there's kind of that camp that says that this is kind of primarily what the technology should be used for, and then I'd say there is a, a growing, exponentially growing, and I I would say we're kind of a lot more of the research development. Bleeding edge investment is is mostly focused on, and it's these kind of like execution environments wherein we can employ smart contracts to automate society uh, and to automate how our economic, our political, and our social operating right. systems work. Because it, frankly, I believe we're in a hundred year super cycle. We're at the end of it, and we're watching with popcorn in hand. Uh, you know, at the front of the movie theater, the the crumbling of our brittle economic, social, and political operating systems, and and I believe wholeheartedly that this technology uh, can harness much more efficient, transparent, uh, inclusive operating systems. I mean, that's a really powerful statement about where we are from a truly sort of 500,000 foot view. It's the view from space about where we are right now as a culture, as a society, as a, as an, a global economic system. That's a very powerful statement of change uh, in terms of what you see coming down the pike. I agreed. And it becomes more and more apparent to me on a, on a daily basis. Uh, and, 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 you know, it's going to be some tough times for, for, for many people. But I, I do believe that there is kind of a light at the end of the tunnel of this. Uh, and I do believe that you know this technology can be the substrate for that change. What's that light look like to you, Andrew? Well, you know, maybe I'll use kind of like a capitalistic example, and I and I say this with all due respect to the professionals that I'm about to uh, criticize, if you will. But Silicon Valley venture is uh, comprised, I would say, seventy percent of and, you know, I am one of them, uh, of, of white males um, that are uh, located in a five square mile radius. Uh, anyone should go to Sand Hill Road, literally uh, in California, in Palo Alto, uh, and, you'll, and you can go see, it, it, it's kind of like a, a historical museum where you could see Sequoia and Andreessen and, and you know, and, and, you know there, there are 10 of these. And if, if, you, if you look at kind of the history of Web2 and, and you dig into the capital uh, that was deployed and the capital that was created, uh, an oligopolistic amount of value was created for a very small group of people. And those kings and queens of the castle uh, resided in a very small location. Uh, we now have the ability for 
any software engineer in the world to be able to work remotely from their parents' basement uh, with other people and um, demonstrate whether it's you know early traction or product market fit or 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 any other type of metric and and with uh, the advent of this type of technology they can now incent their user base of the technology that they're building to be stakeholders in the endeavor and right. and and those stakeholders can you know they can either purchase equity or they can purchase software licenses uh, and you know they, they can uh, now do this anywhere in the world and and you know the the regulatory aspects of it are still being defined but if you really want to see the future of finance if you will watch any one of these token sales uh, and 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 I'll give it the caveat that you know there's regulatory clarity that needs to be defined uh, you know whether the token's a security or if it's a software license or if it's a piece of art but you can see in real time an endeavor I'll just call it an endeavor because it can be a a product, it can be art, it, it can be a, a, a nonprofit donation. Um, have where 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 someone they believe is uh, improperly jailed, and you and you can see hundreds of uh, basically a wallet address where uh, value is sent to from thousands or tens of thousands of people. And the 10,000 people could get some type of receipt, some type of digital token that represents that receipt. And it could be for equity. It can mm. be just for uh, being there, if you will, you know, that, that they felt that they donated to a cause uh, that was important. It could be for a fractionalized ownership in the piece of art. And, and, and really what, what, what I'm trying to, to, to show is that we can now have these kind of inclusive systems uh, that uh, that that don't have to be gatekept right. by a small group of people on Sand Hill Road, and and really kind of the globalization, the inclusivization of any asset, any endeavor. You know, you you, you know the, the, the when a. Ross Ulbrich, uh, who who was the creator of Silk Road, recently had a piece of art that he drew in prison. Uh, there, there were I think twenty, thirty thousand people all around the world. They did a mapping of of the countries, uh, and it was every continent on Earth contributed, donated to help free this person that they believed. Uh, paid his debts to society and has been in jail for eight plus years, and and this could go to a criminal defense fund. Uh, you know, th there was also a group that 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 um, pulled together something like fifty million dollars to try to acquire a copy of the Constitution uh, yeah. from Sotheby's. Constitution uh, and, now, and yeah, exactly. Uh, that you're seeing this where where they're trying to buy baseball teams, and 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 so 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 I guess what we're seeing is is kind of we get lost very quickly in this technology, in the currency. And, and, and probably one of the biggest things that I kind of 
it, it kind of is like the record scratch for me that that annoying sound or like the the claws on the chalkboard is talking about cryptocurrency what we're talking about really is coordination systems how we as a society can coordinate better and we can kind of embed governance voting rights we can embed you know uh, value transfer very transparently uh, we can embed you know some type of receipt and that receipt again can be equity it could be software licenses it can be just uh, you know a, 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 a non-fungible token that says I was there and and, and I cared enough about this cause right and and it can be that just happy memory um, and and so uh, really what we're talking about are these kind of ways to improve human coordination right rather than just currency you know i send uh bob value when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over 600 each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply yeah, you know, it's a profound vision that you have for the future, and also an incredibly optimistic one, as you stated, this world uh, that becomes more inclusive uh, and more open, uh, and not just controlled by a, a small group of plutocrats who live in a particular zip code or on a particular coast. You're so passionate about these ideas, but I also want to make sure that we're able to understand your journey through the space. So you mentioned Joe Lubin earlier, who you met yeah. uh, at a meetup, yeah. the first Ethereum meetup here in New York City. Tell us a little bit about Consensus, uh, how sure. you saw what they were doing, why you joined, and what ultimately it became for you. So we have built the entire stack, in my opinion, from... A version of the protocol, so the Java implementation of Ethereum, so one of the seven versions of Ethereum, uh, the developer tools, so so basically how engineers uh, integrate and build software on top of Ethereum, uh, the wallets, so the most used wallet uh, in in crypto is called MetaMask, and that was built in house to the application layer, uh, so so basically. Uh, taken from kind of a first principles horizontal uh, viewpoint that this technology would disrupt all industries, not just payments or healthcare or, or finance. For people who are not uh, necessarily incredibly fluent in the computer science aspect of this, this is an incredibly important thing that you guys have done. Andrew, I know we were talking a little bit off camera. You prefer to talk about the ideas than to talk about yourself, but you were present at the creation for the development of this stack and particularly the MetaMask wallet, which is uh, by far, I believe, uh, the most frequently used wallet in the Ethereum ecosystem right now. I would say in the entire blockchain ecosystem. Yeah. And, and uh, I'll, I'll tell you one fun story, I think. Uh, the first time Ether crossed $1 from, you know, under a dollar to $1 plus, uh, the token sale was 30 cents, uh, was October 29th, 2015. And that was basically because we, Consensus and Microsoft, announced 
that we would create a blockchain as a service hmm. where the uh, the Wall Street Journal, Paul Vigna, had yep. Marley Gray, uh, who was the founder of the blockchain team at Microsoft, and myself sitting in a room in New York and wrote an article about a deal that we we structured where all Microsoft centers of excellence from London to Singapore to Tokyo to Mumbai to Redmond to New York uh, would now have a, a, a version of Ethereum to teach all of their engineers and their clients how blockchains worked. So basically, we put a permissioned version of this infinite machine on top of Azure. And hmm. that was kind of how we educated in scale for the first year, which was super important of kind of getting it out there. And, and, and I still right. do think there, there, there are, let's call it the layer one blockchain wars. Uh, if you dig into kind of the amount of developer interests, um, GitHub repositories, which, which basically show how much engineering is being done per blockchain, um, the nodes, they're, they're very quantitative uh, data points, uh, and, and, and it's just so far and away, Ethereum and everything else. And, and, and I do believe back when we crossed that $1, the ability to scale right. and, and, and have Ethereum be kind of a standard uh, was that kind of differentiating factor. By the way, uh, talking about hard data points uh, and that $1 threshold, we're recording here today uh, on Monday, May 2nd, 2022. Uh, we're trading right now on Ethereum at about just shy of $2,800. Uh, so from a financial perspective, thinking about your cost basis, it's around like it's 280,000% return, right? I mean, this is immense. It's worked out. <laughs> Uh, you are an extraordinarily humble guy who's done some great things in the space. I want to talk a little bit here uh, in the few minutes that we have left about what you see for the future. Obviously, 30 minutes, we can't do justice to this story. We're going to have to have you back uh, to come back to continue the conversation. But where do you see the puck going in the future? What are you looking for? Uh, and where do you think that trajectory will lead us in the near term? We are about to witness the largest event in the history of blockchain. And, and, and that event is Ethereum transitioning from proof of work to proof of stake, which right. is, which is uh, been named the merge, where the, the merge of the execution layer and the consensus layer of Ethereum uh, to become one proof of stake blockchain is the sole uh, driving force as a substrate of you know, this digital economy. And, and, and really what that does, it does three core objectives. First, uh, Ethereum becomes ESG friendly. We're going to have a 99.999 reduction of energy consumption versus proof of work mining. Secondarily, uh, Ethereum becomes deflationary uh, wherein uh, the deflationary aspects of Ethereum is actually stronger than that of Bitcoin. And third, uh, we have the ability to generate yield on these assets through proof of stake. Uh, and, and simply put, if I have 100 Ether, I can generate for round numbers one new Ether a month uh, through the, the ability to uh, be a validator 
uh, on this network. And, and if you kind of add those three points uh, together, uh, I believe that uh, without a doubt, uh, Ethereum becomes the largest market capped blockchain. And this also sets the stage uh, for, I would say, hyper scalability when, when, when Ethereum's next large endeavor is, is to shard uh, the blockchain. So basically shards of the blockchain have to form consensus rather than the entire blockchain. Uh, so you're gonna have this kind of hyper scalable uh, blockchain that is yield generating, ESG friendly, and extremely deflationary that has the largest developer base in the world and is the most decentralized in the world as the largest you know, validator network, uh, which in my opinion, uh, just telegraphs, uh, this will be the substrate of the global economy. And, 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 and uh, it, it, we're watching it happen in relatively slow motion before our eyes. Yeah, that is uh, in a pretty extraordinary vision of the future. As we come to the conclusion of this conversation, final thoughts, key takeaways that you'd like to leave our audience with. I feel like you already left us with the bomb right there. I, I, I think that, uh, you know, participate, find where uh, you're interested, find where you can add value, find what motivates you. Uh, this is like being in New York and finding out that there's gold in San Francisco in 1948 uh, and go find it. And, and, and it doesn't have to be monetary gold. It can be uh, w what you're passionate about. There, there, there's, there's all sorts of charities. There's all sorts of political ide ideologies. This technology can map basically to anything. It's just a better way to govern, to coordinate, uh, to allocate resources. Uh, find your gold and find find what you enjoy and and go do it. We, we've got we've got such little time on Earth, uh, uh, and you know, in many aspects, a lot of Earth is a mess. And 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 I find if if, if I can contribute a little bit to things that I am passionate about and, and I hope, I hope, uh, you know, makes the world a little bit better. That's what makes me a little bit happier. Great advice across the board. Andrew Keys, thank you so much for joining us again. Thank you, Ash. Thanks for listening, everyone. All right, that's a wrap on Building Blocks. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, head over to realvision.com forward slash crypto, where the crypto conversation always continues. <laughs>